Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Nerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And welcome Saturday morning. Here we are, and there you are. If you'd like to be part of today's program, our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, all you have to do, pick up your telephone, dial 800-848-9222, 800-848-WABC. At any point during the program, we always try to get to a lot of calls on Saturday. We always try to get to a lot of the issues surrounding us, surrounding our lives on Saturday. Of course, this week has been dominated news in the news by the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. Princess Di will join us later. She made some incredible points with us yesterday. For instance... One of them, and I'm paraphrasing her, if this raid was such was so vital and if they were so concerned about documents, why didn't they raid all of Trump's property simultaneously? This is all this is all political, as everything is. Always with this administration. And of course, listen to these two headlines. This will give you a take which where you'll find in the electronic media and then the print media. The first electronic media, CNN, Chris Wallace at home where he belongs on CNN, uh, rips Republicans for silence on FBI attack. He frets over the fact that he thinks the, the support that Donald Trump has is not going to wane. CNN anchor, and that sounds so right together, CNN anchor Chris Wallace accused Republicans of being silent after a man who was enraged over the raid on former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence attacked an FBI office and then was subsequently neutralized by agents. The incident took place in Cincinnati, Ohio. Attacker's name was Ricky Walter Schiffer, evidently a supporter of Trump, who posted on on, on Truth Social before attempting to break into the FBI office. This guy, by the way, is a former Navy vet, et cetera, et cetera. So Chris Wallace is condemning Republicans for not talking about this 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 wackadoo. Yeah, he was a veteran, but let's face it, he was a French wackadoo. He was off his rocker. This is not the usual reaction that a, a person in their right mind would have. And we have a lot of troubled people in our society, some of them are going to be on the right. Some of them are on the left. For instance, I didn't hear Chris Wallace, I didn't hear any of the left demanding that every Democrat speak up after Steve Scalise was shot. Do you remember that? Do you remember we actually had a left-wing supporter after all the rhetoric 
that the left was making about Republicans and Republicans being so hateful, et cetera, et cetera. A Democrat, a liberal shooter went on a rampage at a Republic at a softball game and tried to shoot and try to take out many Republicans, but he ended up shooting and seriously wounding Steve Calise, the Republican whip. Did you hear Chris Wallace demanding the Democrats come out and speak out? Oh, no, 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 no. Did you see articles in the Washington Post? Did you see the Washington Post editorial board write an article, opinion, after Republicans shot, horrific violence follows reckless rhetoric by Democrats? No, no, no. But they have uh, op-ed in today or, or yesterday in the, uh, in the Amazon Prime Washington Post after the Mar-a-Lago search, horrific violence follows reckless rhetoric. And again, this horrific violence, well, it's this one guy, this one fringe character, and yet we get this lengthy, lengthy op-ed in the Amazon Prime Washington Post. We have Chris Wallace out mouthing about it. Where was the op-ed? From from the Amazon Prime Washington Post when Steve Scalise got shot. Where was the op-ed in the Washington Post demanding that these activists stop surrounding justices of the Supreme Court houses after they had a decision that they didn't like? Where was the Washington Post or Chris Wallace when Antifa protested and vandalized Washington, D.C.? and threatened violence when Trump was inaugurated. Where was the Washington Post? The Amazon Prime Washington Post. Where was Chris Wallace when BLM rioters were setting fire to neighborhoods, when Antifa was burning up neighborhoods and throwing firebombs and other things that could have resulted in death at federal buildings? Where was the Washington Post? Where was Chris Wallace worrying about violence? Violence, they don't care about violence, political violence, as long as that political violence is being committed by the left. Well, then that's just fine and dandy. As long as you have liberals that are willing to surround the houses of Supreme Court justices, it doesn't matter. But if they were trying to surround, I guarantee you this, if a bunch of conservatives had ever surrounded Ruth Buzzy Ginsburg's house when she was alive, we'd have nothing but these same types, Chris Wallace, same types, the editorial board of the Amazon Prime Washington Post with their panties in a bunch. But as long as, as long as the left commits political violence, why, it's fine. And people have people, have people died as a result of left-wing political violence? I would argue that every weekend across America, every single day, people are dying because of political violence on the left. What do you do when you load ghettos up with people that are uneducated, that see crime as a way of life, that see violence as a way of life, thanks to the poor management, political management of their lives, of their education, of their neighborhoods, and that results in this escalation of violence that we've seen in American cities week after week after week. Is that not political violence too? Violence caused by political circumstances? The left is responsible for that. They don't care.
Let them kill themselves. Let them kill themselves. They're only in these, you know, minority neighborhoods. Let them kill themselves. So this is all, to me, when I look at what Chris Wallace, Washington Post, is saying about violence. I, I need to be clear. I am not for political violence. I think that this violence is awful. I don't like to see it. I don't think anyone should be advocating political violence. At the same time, I think that if we're going to attack political violence, let's make sure that that attack is even-handed. That we reject all political violence, not just political violence that comes from some wackadoo, some nut job, some person, oh, maybe that's not fair. Maybe this, look, this person, okay, let's, let's be, let's put it in less pejorative terms. A mentally ill, perhaps mentally ill person resorted to violence. But certainly, this violence isn't commonplace. This is not the sentiment of of Republicans. This is a one-off from one troubled individual who's now, who didn't mind sacrificing his own life. Apparently, he was so incensed over what he perceived as an injustice. And we see that throughout society. We We have seen Buddhist monks set themselves on fire because they were felt so strongly about issues. We've seen people on the left set themselves on fire over climate, over climate change, because they wanted to make a statement. We've seen people set themselves on fire and, and kill themselves over all sorts of political causes during our watching of the news the past decades. These things are tragic when they happen, but they're not reflective of a broad sentiment of people in the political spectrum. So Chris Wallace, yeah, that's expected. These things are expected from Chris Wallace. I mean, Chris Wallace, when he was on Fox, let's face facts, anything but fair, anything but balanced. His treatment of Donald Trump, any not fair, not balanced. Chris Wallace found his true home on CNN. That's where he belongs, and that's where his criticism belongs. On a network that few people watch because it is so biased that it doesn't merit a large audience. Now, <clears throat> we have some sound bites. And before we go too much longer, I want to start with the statement, if you did not hear it, and if you did, please just be patient and let's listen to it again today. Merrick Garland, cut 11, Merrick Garland, when he finally came out and spoke about the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Good afternoon. Since I became Attorney General, I have made clear that the Department of Justice will speak through its court filings and its work. Yeah. Just now, The Justice Department has filed a motion in the Southern District of Florida to unseal a search warrant and property receipt relating to a court-approved search that the FBI conducted earlier this week. That search was of premises located in Florida belonging to the former president. 
The department did not make any public statements on the day of the search. The former president publicly confirmed the search that evening, as is his right. Copies of both the warrant and the FBI property receipt were provided on the day of the search to the former president's counsel, who was on site during the search. Mm -hmm. The search warrant was authorized by a federal court upon the required finding Yeah, by a a Clinton-hat judge. The property receipt is a document that federal law requires law enforcement agents to leave with the property owner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The department filed the motion to make public the warrant and receipt in light of the former president's public confirmation of the search, the surrounding circumstances, and the substantial public interest in this matter. Faithful adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle of the Justice Department oh, no, and it's of not. our democracy. Who are you trying to fool with this crap? Holding the rule of law means applying the law evenly. You have never done that. fear or favor. Right. Under my watch, that is precisely what the Justice Department is doing. No, it's All not. All Americans are t- entitled to the even-handed application of the law. Oh, the yeah. process of the law. Explain and Hillary the Clinton. presumption of innocence. Explain the Russian collusion hoax. Much of our work is by necessity conducted out of the public eye. Yeah. We do that. Sneaks. To protect the constitutional rights of oh, all no, Americans. Oh, no, you don't. And to protect the integrity of our investigations. You do that to hide your jerk. Federal law, longstanding department rules, and our ethical obligations. Ethical. Prevent me from ah. providing further details as to the basis yeah. of the search at this mm. time. There are, however, certain points I want you to know. Good. First, I personally approve the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. Did you tell Biden? Second, the department does not take such a decision lightly. Oh, bull. Where possible, it is standard practice to seek less intrusive means as an alternative to a search and to narrowly scope any search that is undertaken. Mm-hmm. Third, Let me address recent unfounded attacks on the professionalism of the FBI and Justice Department agents and prosecutors. Now scold us, Mr. I will not stand by silently when their integrity is unfairly attacked. What integrity? The men and women of the FBI and the Justice Department are dedicated, patriotic public servants. You're political hacks who have been trying to get the president Trump since the beginning. From violent crime, terrorism, and other threats to their safety while safeguarding our civil rights. They do so at great personal sacrifice and risk to themselves. I am honored to work alongside them. This is all I can say right now. More information will be made available in the appropriate way and at the appropriate time. Thank you. I will not stand by silently while the integrity of the FBI is called into question. Yeah. Yeah. We got to go to a break. More on that when we get back. Boston Early, it's Saturday morning's radio extravaganza. Thank you for being here and stay around for the full program. We've got a lot to cover, including this garbage about the integrity of the FBI. Coming right back after this. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. Rolling Stones. 
bring us back on Saturday morning on WABC. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Thank you for being here. And James Golden with you, Bo Snerdley. that the thing you just read to me from Twitter? Oh, we don't have the timeline of when Trump stole the uh, nuclear codes. <laughs> what is it? Uh, Trump stole the uh, nuclear materials sometime after he wrestled the steering wheel from the Secret Service, peed on Russian prostitutes, called the vets suckers and losers, and suggested drinking bleach. <laughs> so we know it's somewhere after that point where he stole the, uh, the nuclear Yeah, material. that's a funny line. Uh, we have the White House spokesgirl, uh, uh, Jean-Jean Piao. And uh, let's listen to what uh, the White House spokesgirl had to say about this honor and integrity of the DOJ. Hit it. Can say that President Biden has been un- can say that President Biden has been unequivocal since the campaign. He believes in the rule of law, in the independence of justice Depar- of the Justice Department investigations. <laughs> that those investigations should be free from political influence. And he has held that commitment as president. I want to also remind you all of what he said on January 7th of 2021 when he then nominated Merrick Garland to be the attorney general. And I quote, we need to restore the honor, the integrity of the independence of the Department of Justice in this nation that has been so badly damaged. And so many former leaders of that department in both parties have so testified and that and stated that. I want to be clear to those who lead this department who you will serve. You won't work for me. You are not the president or the vice president's lawyer. Your loyalty is not to me. It's to the law, the Constitution, the people of this Biden. nation to Hunter. guarantee justice. and. Yeah, yeah, it's to Hunter. And, oh, if, if, if Pelosi's son, who, by the way, has been dealing with the CHICOMs, making millions from dealing with the CHICOMs, if 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 he gets in trouble, their loyalty will be with him too. Because after all, the Pelosi's and the Bidens—they're not like you peasants. They have international dealings that bring in millions and millions of dollars, and no one ever looks and sees how exactly they're making these millions, and and what do they have to give up in return? And by the way, is there influence? We do know that Joe Biden met some of Hunter's pals. By the way. Is it true that there was child pornography or pornography of some nature that we should be concerned about on Hunter Biden's laptop? Is it true the FBI ignored that laptop? Is it true that the FBI is still ignoring everything that has been published about Hunter Biden? I just saw a picture today of old Hunter out there with the wife and one of his old dead brother's kids out there enjoying the vacation, dancing with the waves on the ocean, so peaceful. How come there hasn't been a raid on Joe Biden's house to see whether the big man has anything laying around there? Hmm? These people, they talk all this smack, and they think the American people are stupid. They talk all this crap, 
about there being some sort of integrity surrounding the FBI. There hasn't been integrity surrounding the FBI for decades. Now, I understand that in the press and everywhere else, that those kind of statements are regarded as inflammatory. I'll back them up. Anytime anybody wants me to back them up, I'll back them up. We can go back to the murders of the Black Panthers under the FBI. You can go back further than that. Many people don't even know that when J. Edgar Hoover first started, one of the first things that he did when the FBI was beginning to be formed was target Italian immigrants in this country and unfairly use this new weapon of the government to make their lives miserable, to try to deport them and make criminals out of them. Did you know that? You could go through J. Edgar Hoover's entire history and find one crime after another, including gathering information on Americans, which was against the law, and using it, and, and not just gathering information on citizens, but also on the politicians, elected politicians, and then using it as blackmail. That's what was alleged. That part has never been proven because nobody's been able to ever get behind and see the actual files. How about those 900 FBI files that ended up in the White House during the Clinton years? Why don't we ever hear anything about that? There was such a funny tweet I read today. It was that Elon Musk has made an offer to buy the FBI from the Clintons. The FBI has been a troubled agency ever since its inception. It has been a corrupt agency ever since its inception. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Now, yes, James realizes, Bo realizes that there are good agents that have nothing to do with criminality at the FBI, that there are people who are willing to serve their country and they do a dangerous job. I'm fine with all of that. I'm talking about the leadership of the FBI, the structures of the FBI. The FBI was participating in a coup attempt against Donald Trump, and they have never been held accountable politically for their actions, period. They are a rogue organization. And I'm not going to stop criticizing them. And somebody in this country, if we had any real journalistic integrity, would actually do the expose on the entire history of the FBI and put it before the American people. I've been saying this for I've been saying this for decades. This is a rogue organization. Its leadership from J. Edgar Hoover, has been rogue. J. Edgar Hoover was a criminal holding a high post in law enforcement. He was a criminal. His actions should have merited him being taken off in handcuffs. But yet he was so powerful that we have to have a building name after him because, oh, 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 nobody dares challenge the actual history of what has taken place at the Federal Federal Bureau of Investigation, including murder. That's right, murder. And if you go back and if you look through the the infiltration of the Black Panthers and how the FBI was used to kill Black Panther agent Black Panther members in phony raids, you'll see what I'm talking about. Straight up murder. So I don't want to hear this nonsense about how the FBI is so pure and 
pristine and how we dare not challenge the FBI and I will not stay silent while you impugn the integrity of the FBI. The FBI hasn't had any integrity in decades. And by the way, somebody needs to ask old Merrick Garland, why was he the voice that tried to prevent the FBI from getting, from taking action against Kaczynski, the Unabomber? Janet Reno had to overrule him and actually carry out the raid on the Unabomber. Merrick Garland, let's look totally into his past. Let's look to see who he's been connected to. Why is it that the journalists in this country are never curious about these people that stand in front of us and make all these absurd claims? Well, you're not going to find me shutting up about this, ever. The FBI tried to take down a president of the United States, Donald Trump. Some members of our intelligence community tried to take down the president of the United States, Donald Trump. They are rogue. And they deserve to be put under the microscope for their actions. This is James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. We're coming back right after this. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bo knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. David Bowie from the Let's Dance album. There was a tour after uh, when this album was hot. It was, I think, what was it called? Under the Moonlight tour. It was uh, pretty awesome. You know, there's a concert. I mentioned this coming up. Uh, there's going to be a date in London on September 3rd. Tickets still available. Um, where the Foo Fighters and the family of Taylor Hawkins are having a tribute concert. I'm thinking about going over for it. And then they're going to be in L.A. with the same kind of a concert. Now, they are going to be a whole lot of special guests. And I happen to know that one of the songs that's being rehearsed right now is this one. I won't tell you who's going to perform it, but it's going to be fun. Anyway. We have phone lines that are just jam-packed, so let's start with the phones. I'll come back. You know, uh, before I do that, this is not going to be all politics. We are going to play, replay next hour, the George Benson interview from Monday. We had a lot of fun with the, and, and just so happy to have talked with uh, one of the most amazing musicians of the 20th and 21st century, George Benson. He graciously gave us a few minutes of his time uh, earlier in the week. So we'll replay that in case you didn't hear it. Talk a little music. <clears throat> and... There are some other things not involving politics. We can stretch out. It's Saturday. 
But I do want to get to some of the calls that have been holding. As I said, lines are jammed right now. Let's start in Freehold, New Jersey. John, welcome. You're on WABC Talk Radio 77. Hello, John. Hello. It's so great to talk to you. I just wanted to tell you that uh, every time I listen to you, you remind me of Rush. And I'm 32 years old, and since I was six years old, I listened to Rush, and I always heard Snurdly in the background. And uh, it's just great that you're taking over. And um, just to get to my point there, uh, I was wondering, what can we do as civilians? Obviously, the politicians are going to—the swamp is— playing out the way it does. And regardless of who we vote for, we see the elections are, they play out however the higher-ups want them to. What can I do? How can I get Pelosi or Schumer or, you know, how can there I get There are so many Schumer? things. <clears throat> I'm going to answer your question. There's so many things we can do. I have a story that hopefully I'll get to before the end of the show. And it's a, it's a, a story I've covered one time before about the need for teachers we are undergoing a teacher crisis. There are not enough teachers for the public schools. Now, one of the things that conservatives can do is fill those positions. They Right now, school systems need over 30,000 teachers. That's the shortage. And some of them don't require degrees in education or anything like that. You want to have an impact on society. You want to have long-term impact. Start taking the education system away from the left. Here's something else we can do. Wow, he's not answering with just straight-up political answers. No, no, no. There's so much more that we can do besides political, a, political, uh, a political framework for this. We have to take back the culture of America, okay? I would encourage those of you who are interested in the arts, those of you who are interested in music, those of you who are interested in the sciences, pursue it. Don't just sit around and say, oh, well, you know, nothing there. Those are, I don't want to take the risk. If that's your passion in life, then pursue your passion and become excellent at it. Become the voice. You can become the voice of whatever it is that you feel passionate about. You can have the impact on society that way. You can impact so many different things, like the elections. How? Just by becoming a poll watcher. Volunteer some of your time. Go to the polls. Stand there. Look at what these Democrats are doing. And here's another thing for those of you brave enough to do this. And I realize that this takes bravery, and I don't say it lightly. We're never going to get America back until we can start taking some of these cities back. Look at New York City. New York City has been in the hands of corrupt Democrats for, what, 200 years? Seriously, for 200 years. Since Tammany Hall, these Democrats have institutionalized corruption as a way of life in New York City. That is why they can get away with these stupid bail reforms that nobody works. You look and you ask yourself, how do they do this? How is it that everybody in the city can yell and scream to the top of their lungs that something is wrong, and yet it stays around. Yet Mayor Adams, with all his mouth when he's not partying, can't get it changed. Because Democrats run the infrastructure of this town, and they've set it up. Well, it's never going to change unless we change it. 
Look at the way they took over California. California used to be a Republican state. They're trying to do the same thing to Texas. They had this thing called the Colorado Blueprint. And within 10 years, they took over Colorado. It wasn't by accident. It was planned. And they followed the blueprint. And they did it. They are highly organized politically. It is time for Republicans to start organizing politically. You know, we all laughed. I remember. I remember the laughter at Obama. Remember this. Remember when Obama first rose and he was in the primaries and Republicans were running around laughing at him? (laughs) He's just a political, he's just a community organizer. He's a community organizer. We laughed at him and people called him a community organizer like that's something to disparage. He's a community organizer. How does a community organizer rank to have respect? Well, he organized his ass right into the White House. And then after that, he organized the federal bureaucracy to where we still don't know the full impact of what he did through organization. We do know that some of the people that he appointed were some of the very ones left over in the swamp that were trying to do the coup on President Trump. Look at the way the Clintons organized and filled the bureaucracies. So you want to start, we have to take over everything that they have taken. That's one of the things that we can do. We can start filling those jobs with teachers. Can you imagine? And it wouldn't be small. Can you imagine the impact? If we had 30,000 conservative teachers all of a sudden pushing back in the public schools about liberal indoctrination. How do you think they get through their agenda? How do you think that they brainwash American kids into believing that they're responsible for climate change? How do you think that they brainwash American children to believe that if they have white skin, that they are the descendants of evil, that they're the descendants of Satan because they have some kind of privilege that no one else has? How do you think that they get away with telling black kids year after year that they're worthless victims and that they need Democrats in order to become full human beings? How do you think they get away with telling women that they're going to always be oppressed because men have toxic masculinity. How do you think they get away with sexualizing children and telling kindergartens and first graders and second graders that they need to be somebody else because they don't like their own bodies and then putting them on puberty blockers before they even understand the deadly impact that these can have on their psyche and on their lives? How do you think they get away with all this stuff? They get away with it because they have infiltrated every single institutional aspect of American life. And we've sat on the sidelines too busy working, too busy going about our jobs, making America great, trying to take care of our families. And like, oh, well, we'll just leave the teaching of our kids to to the school system. And look how they've indoctrinated your kids. Look how they have infiltrated every single aspect of American society with their propaganda and with their hate for America and with their hate for God and with their hate for anything moral. We let it happen. And it's time to push back on it. Take those teacher jobs. Take them back. Not another liberal. We need conservatives. We need conservatives to start making movies. We need conservatives to start telling in movies and in videos, how great this nation is and that this nation is still the land of opportunity and that this nation, despite its past record of slavery, 
has brought more freedom to the world than any other nation in the history of mankind. We need storytellers that don't hate America, telling the story not just to American children, but to the world of how great this nation is and how great we can be again. We need political activists in this country who will counter every single one of these ridiculous claims that comes from the left that is sunken in. That's what we can do. And for those of you brave enough there in some cities that the Republicans shut down and ran out of business, there are lots of real estate that you can move into and set up shop and hire people and start a business. We can start becoming organized. That's, my friends, what we can do. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's the soul of excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC, Talk Radio 77, it's Saturday morning. And if you're just waking up from your night last night, have a cup of coffee. (laughs) Just, you know, enjoy your Saturday morning with us. Listening to the lyrics of this, I didn't know her name, but I'm never gonna be the same. What do you think he's talking about? I think he know what he's talking about. How would he never be the same? It was just such a great night. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it must have been. We call those one nights. Never mind. Um. <laughs> She was everything I dreamed she'd be. Sweet surrender. What a night. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is something I'd like to play for you, ladies and gentlemen. I was just talking about, okay, how we have to push back. Now, I want you to really hear this because this is the next push that liberals are on. Not just blocking and not just dealing with the sexualization of children, But there's another side to that. I want you to hear a therapist, a licensed counselor and sex therapist. In fact, this cut is being played right now, not just here, but in Europe. I saw it on GB News the other night as well, because people are so alarmed by what this person is saying. I want you to pay very close attention to what this therapist this counselor is advocating cut for folks my name is miranda i use she her pronouns and i'm a licensed professional counselor and sex therapist in erie pennsylvania and today i want to talk about minor attracted persons and i want to talk about minor attracted persons because they are probably the most minor attracted persons in our culture and most folks are making incorrect assumptions about them 
without actually knowing much about them. And those assumptions create harm for an already marginalized population. You may have noticed that I'm using the term minor attracted persons, sometimes mm -hmm, abbreviated to MAPS, instead of the more commonly used term pedophile. And I'm doing oh. this because the term pedophile has moved from being a diagnostic label to being a judgmental, hurtful oh. insult that we hurl at people in order to pedophile. harm them or slander them. Now, I also hurtful. prefer person-first language that recognizes that any label we might apply to a person is only part of who they are and doesn't represent everything that they are. We are all people first with many different facets or parts of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And this includes folks who are attracted to minors. Uh -huh. So to start with, yeah, let's talk let's... about what a minor attracted person is or who let's they are. Do. This term simply means that the person has an enduring sexual or romantic attraction to minors. They've not chosen That's this all attraction, just as the rest of us have not chosen whatever our attraction they is. They can't help to it. choose to be heterosexual or to be gay or, or whatever you are. And you don't get to choose to be a minor attracted person. You don't choose to Some be a pedophile. minor attracted persons are attracted to a specific age range of minors, while some are not. Some like two-year-olds. some minor attracted persons are exclusively attracted to minors. Some like three, four, five-year-olds, six-year-olds. Some minor attracted persons are also attracted to adults. <sighs> it goes on and on, but you get the gist of it. So now we're not supposed to be critical, you see, of minor attracted persons because they can't help it. They can't help it. They just, just like you like women, just like you like men, just like some of you like women and men, just like some of you men like men, just like some of you women like women, just like some of you she's like he's and he's like she's and z's and them. These little minor attracted people, why they can't help it. They just like cheering. And that's all. They just like cheering and there ain't nothing wrong with that. They're just attracted to children. And sometimes they have specific ages in mind, and we shouldn't slander them by calling them rotten names like pedophiles. They can't help it. They like cheering. You see? And if you happen to call them names, bad names like pedophile, we have to correct your thinking. Because these people, just like everybody else, have a right to like little cheering, don't they? <sighs> this is the left in America. Let us go to appalling New York and Dan. Dan, welcome you on WABC. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Hi. Hi, Bo. Thank you. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, I, lo I, love the mu I love your music. Thank you. I got to ask, ask you, do you, do you get out on the dance floor with the ladies? Man, I used to get on the dance floor. Right now, I got to lose like 15 pounds before I dare go out on the dance floor again. Well, actually, more like 50. But <laughs> just, no, I, I kick it once in a while. All right. I was just wondering. Um, now, the, 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 all this, that, that's a, that was a crazy clip you just played. I don't know where this. Where this country's going and this administration, I think, is just 
All they work on is taking it down, taking this country yeah. down. Well, Dan, I just want you to know, now that you've heard that clip, I just want to make sure that you understand that you're not supposed to be calling these people pedophiles no more because pedophiles is a harmful term. So when you talk about these people that we used to call pedophiles, you should deal with them by the correct by the correct description, which is minor, attracted people, maps. They're nothing this. They're just little harmless maps out there. Okay? Yeah. It just, and I don't mean to laugh, but it's just so ridiculous that it, I, I don't know what else to do. But it, it, like I say, it's, it, they're certainly not worrying about China, this, this administration, China, or the war. When's the last time you heard of Secretary of Defense? I don't even know where, what, what's it. But this, this uh, taking, like I say, they worry about Trump and taking on this country. And it's just, I, I, I don't know. I'm tired of finishing last for being a nice guy. You know what I mean? Yes, well, America was tired of finishing last, and that's when we had elected Donald Trump, and look what they did. Look what they did, and look what they're still doing to make sure that all this is about one thing. It's about making sure that Donald Trump cannot run again. In fact, when all of this broke, one of the first people out of the gate with analysis was one of Hillary's campaign people saying, well, all of this means that Donald Trump can't run again. They're revealing their hand. All of this, all of this is designed to prevent Donald Trump from ever seeking office in 2024. And this is one of the reasons why we have to be vigilant. There is a column today in one of the, one of the, uh, the mainstream press, well, even if, even if he did declassify the documents, that doesn't matter. He's still criminal. So they keep moving the goalposts. No matter what it is, they just want to, their end goal is to make Donald Trump a criminal no matter what. That's why Letitia James is out here with her persecution. That is why this woman down in, in, in Georgia, is in Fulton County, is doing her persecution. And that is what this whole January 6th kangaroo commission in Congress is all about. So appreciate your call. Thank you so much. Let us go to Steve, Stevie in Staten Island. Stevie, welcome. You're on Boston every Saturday morning, Radio Extravaganza. Good morning. Good morning, sir. I, I respect you immensely, and I thank you for all you do. Hey, I have to ask you, you know, maybe I'm wrong, and you can correct me if I am. I've been upset for years, and I obviously we all see what's going on, and, and it's disgusting. You know? Now children have to, have to, are going to face what's going on in this country one day when we're all gone. And it's going to be horrible for our loved ones, for our children and grandchildren. And I have to ask you, when the Democrats get something in their head that hurts American citizens, they rally. And they, in every state of the nation, have protests. And they're often extremely violent. And they, they're in the news every day. And I've, regardless of the media being one-sided and, and biased, why is it? That no matter what I do, and the politicians I do speak to all agree with me, why can they not organize our conservatives, our Republicans, our people who we voted for you? They can send me bills in the mail if they want me to donate, and every time it's an election, they can call me up on my phone and have organizers. Why can they not do the same thing to have us protest? You know, we too can march on Washington and have it nonviolent. And of course, they'll try to label it another January 6th, which is another lie. But why do our conservative politicians, our Republican politicians, why, Bo, do they never, ever 
organize us with strength so we can never be denied, regardless of the, the campaign the media proposes for the Democrats. Why can we not have a voice? I'm going to answer your question. And I'm going to give you a partial answer, and people are not going to like it. One of the things that I have learned, you know, I founded a pack, and I thought, oh, this is just going to be great. You know, we can go out and finally do a bunch of ads. The pack's name is New Journey, New Journey dot New Journey Pack dot org, New Journey Pack dot org. A guy named Archie Pruitt runs it. Now, one of the things that I found out, I didn't know this. I didn't know how hard it was to really do this right. Let me tell you folks something that you probably don't know. In some campaigns that you donate your hard-earned dollars to, you know how much money actually gets to the campaign? Out of every dollar, maybe 10 to 20 cents. The rest goes in the hands of political consultants and middlemen who are there to take money and put it in their pockets. The left has people like Soros, Tom Steyer. They put billions and billions of dollars behind the ideas that they want. That's why we have bail reform. That's why we have this. Right now, the Democrats have signed a multi-billion dollar climate change bill that will impact every single one of your lives. And look how long they've been working at this. Look the billions that they've spent on this. And now they're being rewarded. You know what Republicans do? Republicans make Republican consultants rich. And Republican consultants, many of them, don't give a damn whether their candidate wins or loses because they're still going to get rich. We run our internal politics of money like it's a mafia. That's what we do. There are payoffs. There are double payoffs. There's all kind of kickbacks going on. It is so corrupt on the Republican side. Somebody needs to write an expose. And I know I'm getting myself in trouble with the political class by talking about this, but I'm, I don't care anymore. It is so corrupt on our side of the aisle. And that's one of the reasons why it's hard to organize. All these fundraising, all the stuff that goes on on this side, so much of it, not all of it, not all of it, but so much of it is corrupted. Democrats invest their money in ideas. Republicans invest, and that's why you see the results, because they put their money behind their ideas. They organize the protests. They put their money in getting people on the streets. Republicans put their money in other Republicans' pockets. That's why there has to be a completely different mindset. And I dare any of you Republicans that know what I'm talking about to call in and tell these people that are listening right now, tell them the truth about what happens on our side. I dare you. You're not going to find many people that want to talk about it. Okay? We did with, we raised in our first year, we raised about a million bucks. You know, we did almost 100 ads. You have organizations that do, that raise tens and tens of millions of dollars, and in the campaign season, there'll be at least three or four ads. Where does the rest of the money go? Uh Uh-huh. So there's a lot. You ask why we don't do the kind of organizational job that Democrats do? It's about commitment. Commitment to the ideas versus 
commitment to the consulting class. Hour number one and the can. Hours duo and trio coming up later on. Remember, next hour, we're going to take a break from politics, do a little music. We're going to replay the George Benson interview from earlier in the week. But we've got a lot more of your calls coming up and a lot more politics to go. So keep it right here. Bo Snurley's Radio Extravaganza. It's our Saturday morning Radio Extravaganza here on WABC. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome, hour number two. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. If you'd like to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC. Let us start, and again, later this hour, we're going to take a break from politics, replay the George Benson interview from uh, earlier this week. But let's begin this hour with uh, the talk about what the Democrats just passed. And believe me, they are so happy. Here's what's in the Inflation Reduction Act, which is a joke, of course, of the title, and the sweeping health and climate bill passed Sunday. Now, dig this. Once again, we have a sweeping health care act passed. Why, after Obamacare, do we need a sweeping health bill? Obamacare was supposed to be the answer to all of our woes. Remember that? Remember all the lies they told you that we all, that everybody was saying, is this really true? Remember all that? President Obama, you passed this act. We're going to bend the curve of health care. We're going to bend the trajectory of health care. The prices are going to start to go down while the average American is going to save $2,000 off the cost of what they're paying now. Remember that lie? Oh, if you just pass this, you'll be paying $2,000 less a year on average for your health care. Remember that lie about, we're not going to change the way health care is delivered here. You like your doctor, you don't keep your doctor. <laughs> that doctor you had back then is long since in the wind. You couldn't keep your doctor. That doctor's gone. Your costs have gone up dramatically since Obamacare was passed. And they're going to keep going up. But yet here the Democrats are, more money for health care, and now they got their up their new slush funds for the climate. So according to the Hill, this is what's in the the climate and health part of the bills. Four hundred and thirty billion dollars. Wrap your arms around that for a minute. Think about what you would do with half a billion dollars. Think of what you would do with a quarter billion dollars. Think about what you would do with 10% of a billion dollars. How that would impact your life. And here is your government on top of the trillions they're already spending, adding another $430 billion to spend on climate and health care and tax overhauls. And by the way, that's not the sum total of this action that they took. It's over $700 billion, three-quarters of a trillion dollars that they're spending. But here's what's in it. Well, businesses would get incentives, incentives that means we're going to give money away 
The government is going to give money away to businesses for deployment of lower carbon and carbon-free energy sources. Well, how does that work? They're going to get tax credits will be extended for energy production and investment in technologies including wind, solar, and geothermal energies. Now, here is the truth, like it or not. Wind, solar, and geothermal energies will not provide enough power to fuel this nation, period. I don't care how many they put up. There's not enough power that can be generated by wind, solar, and geothermal energies to take care of the energy needs of America. Tax credits would be credited or extended for additional technologies and energy sources, including nuclear energy. Well, that part is good. Hydrogen energy, we've been hearing that for for a long time. Biofuels. How long have we been hearing about them developing biofuels, and where are they? Many of the incentives also contain bonuses. That means the government's going to give away money for companies based on how much they pay their workers. So if certain companies pay their workers more, then they're going to get money back from the government. What is that? That's a slush. That's a slush fund. Okay? So the government's going to decide what's good behavior, and the companies that do the good behavior... Why, they're going to get some money from the government. And the companies that don't, well, they're not going to get no money. Tax credits are going to be extended for residential clean energy expenses, including rooftop solar, heat pumps, and small energy wind systems. Here's what that means. That means that the government is going to be giving away money to certain individuals to install the solar panels and all that stuff. Now, who's making those solar panels? Who is going to benefit when all this money starts changing hands? Why? The companies that are in place to do it. Now, in the past, we know what happened. Obama did this. We already dropped billions of dollars into this, and we had companies like Solyndra and all these other companies making these solar panels, and they all got rich. Only problem was the solar panels never made it to the rooftops of American homes. The politicians had their cronies, some of their donors, had huge companies that were making solar panels, and the people that ran these companies, the Obama donors, why, they got really rich. And then the companies went bankrupt. Oh, they just couldn't figure out how to make money selling those solar panels and such. And so they went out of business, except the people, the donors that own these companies. Why, they, they made lots of money. Wasn't that clever? And now we're going to do it all over again because it didn't work the first time. So we're going to try it one more time. New program aimed at reducing emissions on the planet warming gas methane from oil and gas by providing grants and loans to help companies rein in their emissions. So what does that mean? That means that Democrats are going to start handing out money to the companies that they think and they say are good boys and girls. If you and your company are good boys and girls and y'all are friends with the Democrats, here's some money for you. All you have to do is try to rein in the gas. 
Try to rein in some methane. Try to rein it in, and we got a grant just waiting for you. All you got to do, apply for that grant, take your money. And by the way, we're running for office in two years. You think you might want to just donate a little chunk of that money to us because we gave you the money after all. So we're going to follow up us giving your company money with a nice little fundraising letter from the Democrats to tell you how much you should appreciate them for giving you some money. Isn't it funny that it always seems to work like that? We're going to give you money, but we're going to put our hand out for you because we always have to run for office, and we need your support. <sighs> we're going we're gonna to maximize royalty increase for companies to pay for government oil and gas that they extract on public lands. Here's what that means. Those evil evil fossil fuel companies that have to lease because, you know, the government owns most of the land in America, and so we're going to lease oil production and gas production, but we don't like, we don't like you people that need oil and gas, so we're going to make you pay a higher tax in order to get that energy to the peoples. That's what that means. We're going to tax the oil and tax the gas. But James, but James... Don't we need fossil fuels, especially since we're giving credit for all those electric cars now that we want people to have? We're giving people subsidies so that they can have electric cars. So, James, why, Bo, answer me this. Bo, do you know? Does Bo know? Why are they taxing oil and gas when we need oil and gas to power up them plants to make the electric cars run? That doesn't seem to make sense. Yes, it does. Because we hate oil and gas, and we don't want America, like that damn Donald Trump had it, to be an energy-producing nation. We don't want to export oil and gas. We want to make sure that our pristine land, that we're not out there, out there harming the virgin land, We'll let Russia harm their virgin land. We'll let China harm their virgin land. But we cannot harm our virgin land. So we're going to charge you people a hell of a lot of money if you want to dig up some oil and dig up some gas on your land. And we're going to make it really difficult for you. Not like they do overseas where they actually want to use the resources of their own country. You understand now? $3 $3 billion. I want you to listen to this, folks, because this one's a biggie. This is a biggie, 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 like a biggie smalls. It's a biggie. $3 billion. $3 billion is going to go for environmental justice block grants. Now, I know all of you are asking right now, James, Bo, does Bo know what are environmental justice block grants? Glad you asked. I can explain it to you. It's real simple. We're going to give money to Democrats. That's all. We got $3 billion set aside so we could fund our climate activist groups. These are our groups in the Democrat Party, these social justice warriors, and we're going to make sure that they got enough money so that they can all be rich. Never mind we're going to be printing that money. And never mind we're giving them what money we can take from you. We're going to make sure that our groups are funded. 
are environmental justice groups. They're going to go crusade and talk about how they're saving the world. And no one's ever going to do a real account to see where that $3 billion went because it's a slush fund. We're just going to fund groups. And those same groups are going to go work for us to help keep us elected. That's where this money is going. It's $3 billion for environmental justice, block grants. That means slush fund. We give the money to whoever the hell we want to give it to and screw you Republicans if you don't like it. All right. Now, we got another $3 billion allocated for funds for air pollution monitoring in low-income communities. That means we're going to go set up a little thermometer and some and some old, old, old kind of, you know, little devices up there. We're going to go to the ghetto, and what we're going to do, we're going to rent us a little building in the ghetto. We're going to throw up a piece of equipment and say we're monitoring pollution and make sure, and we're going to get $3 billion for doing this. Now, don't you ask exactly what we hope to learn because it's not important. You see, we're going to do this because y'all are racist. And, and, and yes, I know you're not supposed to mention that, that all these places are in blue cities where we supposedly are hurting minorities. They're all in blue cities, but we don't care about that. We're going to monitor these blue cities, these ghettos, and we're going to put up some pollution monitors in there, and all it's going to cost you is $3 billion. Well, who's going to do it? Well, we're going to find some friendly companies that want to work inside the ghetto. And we're going to hand them over $3 billion so that they can monitor pollution. And, yes, when it comes election time, we're going to be asking some of these groups to please make sure that they donate right back to us. Because, after all, we did give them that $3 billion, and we know they got money. Now, we're also going to put a new tax on petroleum and crude oil products because, you know what? We don't like the way that these people have destroyed the earth, so we're going to tax them more, an excise tax. 9.7 cents to 16.4 cents per barrel of oil. We're going to put more taxes on oil because y'all ain't paying enough for gas right now. Y'all not paying enough for oil, so we got to tax it more. Now, where's that money going to go? Well, we're going to just collect that money, and we're going to hand it out. We got plenty of these grants we have to fund. We got plenty of money we got to distribute. So don't you worry your little head off about where we're going to put that money. We're going to put that money to good use. So just fork it over and shut your mouth. Now, we got some things coming up in healthcare, but I'm out of time right now. So when we get back, or maybe later today, we'll talk about the way we're going to spend these healthcare dollars because Obamacare didn't fix everything that we told you it was going to fix. The cost curve in healthcare didn't go down. Y'all are not saving $2,000 a year, and you didn't keep your own doctor. So now we have to go back and spend some more money on healthcare because them damn Republicans always stand in the way when we want to try to fix healthcare. So we got a few more billion we're going to throw in the health care system. And this time, unlike with Obamacare, we're going to hope that it works. Okay? James Golden here on WABC. That's what's in the 430 part of the $700 billion that we're going to spend. 
And if y'all don't like it, like I said before, if y'all don't like the way we're spending these billions of dollars, shut your pie hole. We don't care. All right? It's for the good of the peoples. Because that's who we are. We're the party of the peoples. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, Bo Snurley, Saturday morning. A radio extravaganza here on WABC coming right back after this. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. You remember this. Shake it. Shake it. Shake it. That's right, if you're in your car, pop your head a little bit. Whitney Houston brings us back on WABC. It's Saturday morning. Let's get back to the telephones, shall we? We'll deal with the health care stuff later. We have time. Let's start in Staten Island with John. How are you, John? Thank you for waiting. John, I hear the aliens on your phone. All right, we're going to put you on hold because we cannot understand you. It must be UFOs. Somebody has invaded the phone line. Let's go to Teddy in Yonkers, New York. Teddy, welcome you on WABC Talk Radio 77. How are you, Teddy? Oh, okay, Bo. Good morning, and I uh, hope you're fine this Saturday morning. I disagree with you 99% of the time, and I'm going to be, I, I'm going to come right to the point. Okay. Trump is guilty of obstruction of justice. He's charged, he's going to be charged with obstruction of justice, taking highly classified documents that were pertinent to, to nuclear uh, secrets, and... And he is guilty of espionage. And you, you wait, just a minute. Let me let me make my point. I know go you're going to go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I like you, Bo. I really do. I, I really know. Do. I like you too, Teddy. Go ahead. Okay, but Bo, your station is a right wing Republican station. You refuse. No, we're not. The truth. Yes, you do. You you refuse. No, we're not. You refuse to see the you truth. You have a lot of liberals on this station. To hear the truth, Bo. I, I agree with you, to you on many things about the Democrats that are not good. First of all, Teddy, Teddy, let me ask you a question. How come, like, I keep asking Mayor Adams to come on the show. How come he won't show up? I want to talk to liberals. We've asked Elizabeth Warren to come on. We've asked um, every Democrat that you can think of. And we're going to try to get Gavin Newsom on the show. I want to talk to every single one of these liberals that are on your side. If they're so happy, I'd love to get Letitia James on here to defend her cronyism. 
I'm not afraid to talk with these people. And you know what, Ted? The same way that I treat you with respect, I would treat them with respect. I'm, I'm, we're not right wing. I want to know the truth on these situations. Now, you say that uh, President Trump is guilty of espionage. You say that he's guilty of all these classified documents. I have a question for you, Teddy. Who declassifies documents? Who has the power to declassify documents in the United States? The, the, the president, but he cannot. Listen to me carefully. He cannot declassify anything. That's like saying he can declassify everything and take it with him. And that includes highly sensitive documents involving national security. He can't do that unilaterally. Go check your civics. Check your you check here. Check this. Hold on, hold on, hold on. There's a story today out of, I'm trying to remember, the New York Times. Here's the, uh, here's the headline. Trump claims he declassified all the documents in Mar-a-Lago. Even if that's true, it probably doesn't matter. But what is true is that the president does have the right to declassify, and it is a process, and I'm sorry, you're wrong. As the head of the executive branch, it is the president's call whether or not documents can be declassified. Now, President Trump and his lawyers say all that material was declassified, Teddy. And so if it's declassified material, then what's the problem? Your turn. Oh, are you telling me that are you, I'm going to ask you this question, and then I can, I'll hang up. Are you telling me that he alone, solely alone, without any cooperation with other people, he can take a nuclear a document that involves nuclear secrets, and he alone can declassify them and take it to Mar-a-Lago with him? Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Now, here's the sad part about that. Number one, we don't know whether any of these things do have nuclear secrets on them. We only know what the mainstream press is reporting. Now, Teddy, these are the same people that told us that President Trump got on a bed in Russia and peed all over the bed because he was so mad at Obama, he wanted to pee on some prostitutes. And they went to the FISA court and got a warrant based on that lie. These are the same people that told us that old Donald Trump, he was so intent on committing treason that he... He colluded with Vladimir Putin, and they did it, and they did it to hurt old Hillary Clinton. Only problem is, Teddy, it turned out to be a lie. These are the people that told us that Donald Trump had committed all kind of grave and harmful crimes against the United States with that Russian communist. And then they sent Bob Mueller formal head of the FBI to investigate. And you know what happened, Teddy? They spent $45 million, and after they spent the $45 million, they came back and found there was no credible evidence to support the claims. In other words, people like the Democrats, like Adam Schiff, like Hillary Clinton, like Robin Mook, and all those Democrats that you listen to and that you think are so honest, they were liars. Your turn, Teddy. All right. Um, uh, I, the Russian 
investigation turned out to be not cooperated. Fine. But this is, we're comparing apples and oranges now, Bo. It's, a it's the same incident. people telling us that he has nuclear documents and he's, oh, no, he's committed espionage. These are the same people, Teddy. These are the same people that have been lying about Donald Trump since 2016. All right. These are the same people. It when are so you <laughs> These are the same media. This is the same media. This is the, these are the same people behind all of that. These are the same people that kept coming out every single month. Well, it looks like Donald Trump is finished now. Oh, it looks like he did something terrible. And every time, there's nothing there. It's another nothing burger. All right, Bo, is he going to run? Will he get the nomination? And will he win the election? If he runs, he will get the nomination. If he runs against Joe Biden, Joe Biden, he will win. Now, my... My prediction, Teddy, is that you guys are not going to put Biden up again. I think that the I have gone on record, and Princess Di and I disagree on this. Princess Di think it's going to be Michelle Obama. Ha ha! She'll never run. She likes the money too much. She's enjoying her life, the, the jet, the jet set life. I think it's going to be Gavin Newsom. I think that Gavin Newsom is going to be your nominee. And I'm going to tell you something. That would be an interesting race. But Gavin Newsom is so far to the left, and, and this country is so tired of what liberalism is doing and what these liberals are doing to the country. If Trump runs, I think he wins. But it's too early to say anything with that. We have to, A lot can happen in two years. We don't even know for sure what's going to happen in November. I think there's going to be such a red wave that you guys are going to be crying come November. But anything could happen. Teddy, I always love hearing from you. Thank you for calling. For listening to me. Anytime, Teddy. Love you, buddy. You take care. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, coming back. We're going to have some fun when we come back. If you're on hold, stay on hold, because we are going to get to your calls, but we're going to also break it up and do some non-political stuff when we get back. So don't go away. Both Snurley's Saturday morning radio extravaganza comes back right after this. Talk Radio 77 WABC. A.K.A. Bo Snerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Back in the days when we were doing music radio, WABC, this was a number one hit. It was a number one hit across all of America. And for many people, it introduced a man that would become a household name. He's with us now. The incredible George Benson. George Benson, welcome. How are you this afternoon? Hey, what an intro, my friend. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. It is such a pleasure to have you. Um, I have introduced, I've been telling the audience, we're going to speak with one of the greatest musicians in the world, and you you truly are. <laughs> you have had, like, I think, five or six different careers inside one career, right? So you st- <laughs> that is true, right? and all unexpectedly so. <laughs> well, you started playing started at seven years old, right? That's exactly right. I was working in the nightclub when I was seven years old. I can't believe it now when I look back. But I remember it viv- vividly being on a bandstand and people throwing money up at me, you know. So, so it happened. 
<laughs> wow. And then, now, when I first became aware of you, it was when you had signed on to CTI. It was later on that I learned that you had done other records before that with, like, Lonnie, uh, with Lonnie Liston-Smith, with Jack the Amazing Jack McDuff. So before CTI, you had signed, which was an amazing label. I, the thing that people I think will probably that bought some of your records then and records from other CTI artists in that age of vinyl will remember, CTI had the most amazing album covers of any of the labels. It was they did right. His name was Peter Turner, and he used to do incredible things. He would go to Africa in places where no man had been unless you were a black tribesman. And he would bring his cameras with him, and he'd walk toward them, and they never saw him or a camera before. And he would take pictures and then turn them into artwork. And that's how dangerous, you know, how how dangerous he thought when he went out to to do his art. But they made for the most interesting album covers, also. And you played with some of the, I mean, Freddie Hubbard, Stanley Tarantine. I remember listening. Robert Washington to, Jr. Hubert Laws. <laughs> That's right. And uh, uh, Ron Carter. Oh, Ron Carter. So what was this like? Hancock. Oh. It it was amazing because in my imagination, it just was, it seemed impossible. But when I moved to New York, they started calling me. And as much as I didn't want to be a sideman, it was the caliber of musicians that they were calling that I couldn't resist. So I would go to the studio and record, and those records would become hits. And so I became important to the record companies. Then they d- decided they were going to sign me as an individual artist, and that's what changed my life. Wow. So let's move there to this, because time is so short. What I would love to do is spend an hour with you or, or more and just go through <laughs> the history of George Benson, because your story is just one of the most amazing stories. I mean, you have worked with so many of the greats because you are one of the greats. When you look at the songwriters that you work with, like all the Rod Temperton songs that you did. Now, people that don't know, wow. when I say Rod Temperton, right? People are, who Rod? Okay, think Thriller, Michael Jackson. Think Love yeah. Times Love, George Benson. Think all of the songs that have, the Heat Wave songs, because that's where he originated. That's where he came to light with Heat Wave. Right. And so, uh, yes, uh, always and forever, always and song. forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by the way, and you know, it, the song Give Me the Night mm-hmm. was the last thing we did on the Give Me the Night album. And I was on my way home from Los Angeles. I had been there in the studio every day for a month with Quincy Jones. He did not have that song then. And on the way home, I was getting ready to get in the cab and go to the airport. He said, George, we got one more song. I said, no. I can't do it. I'm going home to be with my kids. And I went to the studio anyway, and we recorded the song, Give Me the Night, which became a super smash. That was, yes. But your first super smash record was Breezing. And that record, oh, and that record. I, You know what? There are some records you remember where you were the first time you heard it. That was my experience with with the Breezing album, but it was this masquerade that I heard first. And I remember exactly where I was when I heard it the first time because that song just blew everybody's mind. And you know, it was the only in, it was the only uh, vocal in an instrumental album, so the record company was reluctant to putting it out. 
But everybody we played it for said, man, when are you going to put that out? They said, we're not. We're not going to put it out. And they said, what? And pretty soon we had to put it out. And instantly it went straight to the top of the charts and became record of the year. And became record of the year. And, and your album, that was just a Grammy Award winning album. I think you won two Grammys on that album. We won three the first year for me alone and two more, one for the engineer and one for the producer. So we had five Grammys for that one album, which became record of the year for this masquerade. We were on our way to a career that we never imagined. I never ended, never thought I would end up recording with the incredible Frank Sinatra and people like that, and Tony Bennett and uh, and all the other guys that I worked with, you know, who, who were the top of the at the the music scale. If you were just associated with those guys, you were considered great. So I finally made the uh, the contact. Mr. Sinatra called me up and asked me if I would record with him. Could I say no? Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And then, of course, now you've won 10 Grammys yourself, not not including everyone else that's been associated with you. That's I mean, right. Let me ask you a question. You've been playing music all of your life. Does it get tired? Does it get routine? Or do you, what is it to you now when you play? For me, music is like breathing. It's something I do. It's not breathing now. Breathing. <laughs> this time it's breathing. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, it's something that I've always done, and it's as natural as breathing, because when I wake up in the morning, I think music. When I'm going to bed at night, I think of something I can do in the music world the next day. So I'm already started, uh, you know, in the new thoughts for tomorrow. So music is definitely uh, the first thing on my list. You won another Grammy for a song called Being With You. Now, one of my best friends in the world, he's like a brother to me, Omar Hakim, was the composer of that song. In fact, I talked with Omar today. He's out um, rehearsing with the Foo Fighters for the uh, Taylor Hawkins special gig that they're doing, and Omar says to give you his best. Um, that song, that album, another Grammy award-winning album. Just That's right. But you have had so yeah, much... You know, he was with me. Uh, he used to come to Harlem, and he wanted to sit in with all of the, you know, the, the hip musicians at that time. He was a youngster then. He was very young. And uh, one day he came to me with this tune. He had, he had graduated into the big time. I can't remember what orchestra he played to. It was one of the top bands in the world at the time. Weather and he Report. Was young and pop. Weather Report. So he had hit the big time already. And he came to the studio when I was recording. And he said, I got this song, George. I said, man, let's check it out. We recorded it maybe once or twice, and it won a Grammy. And I never understood why. When I listen to it today, I understand why. We kept the simplicity. The melody held up, and the musicianship was outstanding. Not just me, the other people on the record. So we had us another Grammy Award. I listened to that record today, and, and that's exactly what I say. This record has stood the test of time. By the way, so has Affirmation. I can't still, when I listen to Ronnie Foster playing on that, it's just like, whoa. This, that, it, it's classic. Everything about that record, everything, and so many others that you made. And then you, you've, you've had records with Al, the record you did with Al Jarreau. And I mean, and I'm so happy you got a chance to work with him. Al Jarreau, to me, is still one of the most, I know he has yeah. been, I, I was surprised. To me, when Al Jarreau passed away, it was just like day of mourning because he was such an amazing artist. 
And I don't think he ever re- received the the credit that he deserved because of the great musician that he was and the great singer that he was and the and the particular vernacular that he had when he sang was different than anybody else's. And I right. always thought that he never received what he should have received during his lifetime. But I enjoyed working with him. We did a tour, something we knew we would always do one day. And we say, I guess it's about time. Let's go out there and get them. And we did. We had a fabulous tour together. Now, and by the way, you have a line of guitars for anybody that's interested. I, I was looking at your website and your guitar, the line of guitars that you have. And so have you been playing? Are those good? What about those guitars? Do they produce the same kind of sound that you produce? Well, I'll tell you, uh, when I was a kid, I looked through a window and I saw a guitar and I said, man, I got to have that guitar, but I couldn't afford it. So many years later, when when Ibanez, that's the name of the company, yep. asked me to, uh, you know, they wanted me to join their company. I said, well, you make great guitars, but you don't have any originals. They said, you have any ideas? I said, I certainly do. So I created two guitars, the GB20 and the GB10. The GB10 took off like a firecracker, at, you know, in interest. At first, they were skeptical because it was a different size and had a lot of differences. Now it's become the standard in, in the music world for guitar players. That's just amazing. This is what I said. This man has so many different careers wrapped in one. Uh, <laughs> look, you're going to be performing. Uh, time's running out. Let me, let me just tell people, first of all, if you're going to see, if you were planning to see uh, George Benson on Wednesday the 10th at Sony Hall. Forget about it. Tickets are sold out. However, going fast. So if you want to see them, you're going to have to get your tickets really fast. Sunday the 14th of August, you're going to be playing at the Seaside Heights Beach Stade out of beautiful Seaside Heights, New Jersey, right? Yes, I look forward to it. And so if you want to take a trip out to Seaside Heights, not far, go out to Seaside Heights. Enjoy the day and then hang around for the show. It starts at 6 o'clock and, and see this amazing musician. George Benson, thank you so much. I wish, again, I want, to, I want to get in touch with your people. I'd love to do about an hour long just with your history as a podcast. <laughs> it's possible one day. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, George Benson. WABC Talk Radio 77, New York. James Golden, A.K. Stern. We're coming back. More of your calls right after this. Talk Radio 77. WABC. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. Chic. These are the good times. Although it may not feel... <laughs> depending on what your week is like, you may disagree with that, but... It is. Let's head back to the telephones. Remember, by the way, that gig out of Seaside Heights is tomorrow. I'm pretty sure there may be a ticket or two available, still available. They are, they were going like they were going like crazy. So you may want to call first and see whether there are tickets left. If you want to head out to Seaside Heights to see George Benson tomorrow, that show starts at six o'clock at the uh, Seaside Heights Beach, um, <clears throat> the Beach Auditorium, where, wherever they do the show there. 
So tickets might still be available for that. Let's head back to the telephones and speak with Sherry from Brooklyn. Sherry, thank you for waiting. How are you? Good morning, Bo. How are you? It's my first time calling into your show. Thank you. Uh, no, thank you. Uh, first of all, Teddy is just a rabid anti-Trump hater and just totally uh, mind-controlled Democrat. Trump is probably going to come out smelling like a rose because the man is not so. stupid. Okay, and I wouldn't be surprised if they try to plan something. I have, I have another question I want to ask you. If these Democrats are so worried about green energy and protecting the planet, why do they? Why are they flying all over the place? Why did Nancy have to go to Asia? Why is Joe Biden? And I have another question on that. At some friend's twenty million dollar estate in the Carolinas, and I with Hunter. And you know why? There's no listening devices. That's what I think. Interesting. Well, here's the answer to your first question: is that Democrats don't really care about the climate like that. They will fly with. Look at look at John Kerry. He's the so-called climate uh, advocate for the Biden administration. And he flies a private jet everywhere. And he says, when asked about it, that he's entitled to do that. He doesn't care. I love the president of Brazil. Actually, the new president of Brazil actually came out and uh, with one of these, Leon, Leonardo DiCaprio, who's another one of these uh, Hollywood loudmouths about the climate. The president of Brazil came out and called him out. He said, look, if you're really serious about this, why don't you give up your yacht? Why don't you give up your creature comforts if you're serious about climate change? If not, stop lecturing everybody. And this is, of course, hits right to the point that you that you mentioned. If these people are so serious, why don't they lead by example? Because they won't. They will never give up their creature comforts. Now, you, you said you wanted to ask one more thing. And also, anybody who knows anything about climate knows that the climate is controlled by the sun. Boom. I mean, you just said it simply. It's controlled by the sun, and we can't so, control the sun. Correct. Great call. Thank you so much. I appreciate your call. Let's go to Denville, New Jersey. Denville, Greg, how are you this morning? Both Sterling's Saturday morning radio extravaganza. How are you, Greg? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. You have a you have a really good show. I don't really listen to radio too much, but I listened this morning, and I know that the whole tenor of your show is changed since the child molesting girl tried to make these people seem like we're supposed to accept them but i, I i'm i'm getting ready to be a grandfather uh, you know if i ever see one of these child molesters near my granddaughter i will beat him to death with my bare hands and i will carve that match in his forehead with a friggin' knife if I have one. Okay, or Greg, little... Okay, look, I understand your sentiment. I don't want to go down saying we're going to kill people and do all the rest of this. I understand what you're saying, though, with pedophiles and with children. I think most people, most people are highly disturbed with the idea that pedophilia, that anybody would be advocating for pedophilia to become normalized in society. I played that because that is exactly what the left is doing right now. When we talk about what the left is doing in schools, and we use these words grooming, then all of a sudden the left gets upset about it. But that's what's happening on one level in the schools. And now you have this therapist, this counselor, suggesting that it's normal to be a pedophile. And, in fact, we shouldn't be calling them pedophiles because they're really maps. They're minor, attracted people. If you didn't hear that segment, woo, 
doozy. And that's what Greg is reacting to. Appreciate the call, Greg. Let's go to Andrew in Stanhope, New Jersey. How are you this morning, Andrew? Pretty good. I love the music on the show. And um, the uh, Rolling Stones came out with that song, <clears throat> like you played Miss, Miss You. you. Miss Coach. She like that was during the disco era, so that was their their disco hit. And also Kiss, they came out with the disco song, too. The one that's, uh, I've been made for loving you, baby, loving you, Bo. So that was like when the disco was popular. And uh, the guy that called was wrong, Jim or whatever his name was, when he said about the classified documents. First, he doesn't know if there's classified documents. And second, what he, Trump, excuse me, should have done was give those documents to unauthorized people, lawyers to read. He should have burned some of the documents. Okay, Andrew, your phone line is going south on us, so I'm afraid I'm going to have to stop you there. But look, I do appreciate your call. Thank you for the kind words. And one of the things that we're going to learn, we're going to learn as time goes on exactly what was in some of these documents, whether they indeed were declassified. And if this turns out to be another nothing burger, it's going to be interesting to see how the Democrats, what ammunition do they have left? It should be apparent to everybody. They will stop at nothing. They will stop at nothing to try and tie Donald Trump up in some kind of criminal behavior. That's all this is about. 100% a persecution of Donald Trump. Bernie in Staten Island, how are you this morning? Thank you very much, Bo. Uh, I'm in my late 80s. I sat in my chair and you only used my telephone. Uh, on the Android, to the te- uh, I don't have a computer. On the Android, I t- you got the phone numbers of all the synagogues in uh, Florida, and there were about a half million Jews live in Florida. I called every synagogue. I called the rabbi. I remember in- you, Bernie. You called us to tell us this about two weeks ago, and and it was a good deal because what you're doing is absolutely taking it home to the people that do have the influence. And so people ask, by the way, what can you do? This is what Bernie's doing. Bernie is taking it upon himself to reach out to all of the religious leaders in South Florida and call them. And this pertains to this issue that's going on in Florida with the sexualization of children in schools and all that. So Bernie, in his late 80s, is an activist. What can you do? If Bernie can do it, other people can do it. Bernie, thank you so much for the call. Let's go to Sharon in Cliffside Park, New Jersey. Sharon, thank you for calling. What's on your mind this morning? Oh, you're welcome. Hey, good morning, Bo. I just wanted to give you a quick little story about what a great guy George Benson is. Uh, I worked in Englewood, New Jersey for like 30 years. And there was a little restaurant called Bocce, and he used to hang out there as well. I used to go after work every day. And he always came in this beautiful uh, red finned Cadillac. I don't know what year it is, but, you know, this beautiful convertible finned Cadillac. Mm -hmm. And one day he didn't have it. And I was there with my girlfriends, and I was like, hey, George, where's the Cadillac? He left, went and got the Cadillac came back and picked up me and my girlfriends and took us out for drinks. 
Whoa. And it was, he was just so nice. And uh, I just thought it was a cute story to say, uh, you know, what a nice guy he was. Thank you for sharing that. That's pretty remarkable. Wow. He sounds like a great guy, doesn't he? Let's go to Steve in Jersey. Thank you, Sharon, for the call. Appreciate that. Let's go to Steve in Jersey City, New Jersey. Good morning, Mr. Bo. Um, first of all, that professor who is into pedophilia, uh, who, who uh, condones it, she should be arrested and put in jail. Um, number two, I love, I love George Benson. Um, I've probably seen about seven or 800 artists in my life. And between a one and a 10, I've only given three artists ever a 10 in my own book, George Benson, Steely Dan, and yes, that's it. I've never given anybody, you know, you know, those are three monsters. Um, when I saw George Benson, I saw him in the early eighties at the uh, Garden State Art Center in Jersey. I think it was the Gimme Gimme the Night Tour. It might have been eighty two, eighty three, I can't remember. Um, the show was spectacular. The only thing that that kind of like bothered me was he started preaching about Jehovah's Witnesses. And I was kinda of like a little disappointed because, you know, when I go to concerts, I don't want to hear any politics, any religion. I want to hear music. And that's mm-hmm. it. But, but that was the only thing that bugs me out. But the show, I mean, the guy is just, I mean, he's mind-blowing. The guy's mind-blowing. You gave him a 10. Wow, that's awesome. This is the song, by the way, that I was talking about, written by Omar, composed by Omar Hakim. It's called Being With You. This is, and George talked about the musicianship. You hear it on this beautiful selection. This won a Grammy, Instrumental of the Year. So we thought we'd just play it for you on our way out of the second hour. What we've got coming up in the rest of the show, we've got some more audio for you to listen to. You know, every week we scour through TikTok. The libs of TikTok. This woman that runs Libs of TikTok, is doing the world a service. So we have one or two cuts from Libs of TikTok this week. And we've got a funny one. I just, I found this amusing. There's a woman talking to her Italian uncle about her date. And for some reason, it just struck me. I said, this is, I gotta play this. This is just... It was a fun listen, so we'll do that. And then Princess Di will be with us. We'll talk more about this this phony, trumped up, no pun intended, documents witch hunt down at Mar-a-Lago. And we'll see what else is on Princess Di's mind. There was a story in the New York Times that we didn't get to yesterday about the New York Times asking Chuck Schumer for permission to run a story from a Republican. So we've got all of that coming up in the next hour. Meanwhile, enjoy your coffee, enjoy your tea. Take a minute with me. And let's just enjoy this last minute of this hour by listening to George Benson with an Omar Hakim composition, Being With You.
Bruce Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome back so soon, hour number three. Uh, this hour, Princess Di will join us, and we've got lots of other things to do. I want to, uh, Diego, we're going to play some sound bites. I want to just maybe lead the discussion with a few sound bites. Uh, here's one. Let's go to cut three. This is out of the, anything that we've talked about today. But I want you to hear this because uh, something is happening out there between 18 and 49-year-olds. And so this soundbite's a little bit lengthy. But uh, let's just take a listen, shall we, and see what it says. Hit it. Well, this information became uh, available to me or on my radar last week following a hearing with Senator Ron Johnson, uh, who was looking at sort of what he calls a second opinion on the entire response to the COVID pandemic. The medical data was released by three career military physicians who got the information from the military database that collects what we call ICD codes, which are the diagnosis codes. And these physicians had a feeling, they believed based on their own observation that they were seeing a significant uptick in certain conditions. So they actually went back and called the database from the military on certain conditions over a five year period from 2016 through 2020, uh, notably uh, containing one year, 2020, of the full-blown pandemic. So they looked at 2016, 17, 18, 19, and 20 at the prevalence of certain conditions, including things like heart attack, blood clots to the lung, miscarriages, those sorts of things. And they compared it to the incidence of those same things in the calendar year 2021 and saw an alarming increase in certain things. For example, they saw a 270% increase in myocardial infarction in 2021, a 300% increase in incidence of Bell's palsy and of certain neurologic complaints. So there has been an uptick, says U.S. life insurance companies, of deaths, unexplained deaths with people between the ages of 18 and 49 that started recently. Some people are saying, gee, it's a coincidence, but they seem to have started right after vaccines were distributed to the masses of people. That's what some people are saying. I just thought you might want to hear that. Just take that one away. Now, as I said earlier, we'll go to cut five libs of TikTok. And I've got two or three libs of TikTok. Let's just listen in. We'll start with cut five. Hit it, Diego. Today has been day four of law school, and I spent the morning with the dean of diversity and inclusion because I have been misgendered so many times by the faculty of this university, which claims to stand on progressive principles. And so I go to this dean, and this dean tells me that I need to exercise grace and patience in the small things. I'm like, listen, lady, this is not a small thing. Being misgendered is distressing. It's dysphoric. Um, And I explained to her how hard it is to try to figure out why people keep seeing me as a female. And she's like, okay, well, you can escalate it to the Title IX director. I'm like, listen, the Title IX director was on a webinar yesterday misgendering people, to which this lady had no solutions for me on where to go next. And if this hasn't been 
a learning experience about how broken our system is and why policies need to change and how much bureaucracy there is and how much the system is set in its ways and why we need really good attorneys, then I don't know what is. This is a young lady that's tired of being misgendered and tired of people calling her a girl. Okay, cut seven, libs of TikTok. Let's listen in to this bite. So my students call me... Mm-hmm. Why did you whisper it so quietly? Mm-hmm. She got shied. Mix Miller is what they call me. Though I'll say, I had a teenager call me Mr. Luke the other day, and I kind of loved it. What do you think about Mr. Luke? Yeah. You like that one? Okay, yeah. I might switch it up to Mr. Luke at some point, but for right now... So I'm non-binary. We've been going Mix Miller, and the kids have been getting it pretty well. Has it been hard? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a little hard, but they're working on it because they love me, right? Yeah. Okay, so this woman is teaching children, and the children have to go along with her, however it is that she is defining herself. Uh-huh. Let's visit Cut 18, Libs of TikTok. Here's another one. This one is a mom who is talking about taking her child to one of these uh, gender-bending clinics. Hit it, Cut 18. I wanted to go ahead and talk about this because it's been asked so many times, and it's really important to me and Billy and the rest of our family, especially Aiden. I do this with Aiden's permission. If anyone follows Aiden on TikTok, they know that she came out as trans not too long ago. And I think that that is absolutely wonderful. Our opinion on it is only Aiden knows who she is. And as her parents, we support her. We are so proud of Aiden for being so brave and being able to say to the world, this is who I am. I am proud of both Aiden and Austin. They are seriously some of the most beautiful humans that I know. Today, Aiden starts the next step of her journey and we're going to her pediatrician and getting a referral to the gender clinic at Seattle Children's. And that's all there is to it. Going to her pediatrician, she's a minor child and so we're just gonna, you know, Ah, yeah, okay. Let us now change gears and turn to a comment that was made by your Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, cut six. And this is what Nancy Pelosi has to say about China. And incidentally, Nancy Pelosi and Paul Pelosi's son, Paul Jr., has been found to be the second biggest contributor in a Chinese firm run by the communists. He's another one, like Hunter, just seems to make money and money and money, millions of dollars dealing with these firms that are run by the communist Chinese government. But no, that doesn't seem to be a conflict for anyone. Here's Nancy Pelosi speaking about China. We still support the One China policy. We go there to acknowledge the status quo is what our policy is. There was nothing disruptive about that. It was only about saying China is one of the freest 
societies in the world. Don't but, take it from me. That's from Freedom House. Let's it's talk a little democracy, bit. Yeah. Courageous people. And, and it's it just, I don't know why it is, uh, except there's some commercial interests who would like to diminish uh, the relationship. China, you heard her. China is one of the freest societies in the world. Now, I want to give her the benefit of the doubt and be intellectually honest and say perhaps she meant to say that about Taiwan, but instead said it about China. Maybe, maybe not. But after all, she did say it about China. So maybe we should just take her at a word. Okay, I said earlier, this one has no politics. This is just something fun. Cut one. This is just something fun that I, I, I heard and listened to and watched. I said, you know what, I'm going to play this on Saturday because I found it not just, into, I found it warm, warmly amusing. This is a woman talking to her uncle about her date. Cut one. Go ahead, Diego. That's it. I got to talk to you about something. That's it. So last night, I went on a date with this guy, and the bill came, and um, he made me pay for the whole thing. What are you talking about? I didn't know what to do. He made me pay for it. I didn't know what to do. He made you pay for the bill. Yeah, I just didn't know what to say. I was embarrassed. Did he ask you out? Yeah, he asked me to go on a date with him. Who the hell asks you out and makes you pay for the bill? I don't know. I didn't know what to do. What was I supposed to do? What were you supposed to do? You should have got up and walked out. I mean, really. I mean, it's bad enough he did something stupid like that, but I got to be honest with you. You're just as stupid. I... You can't. How, who does that? What was, was the guy living in his mother's basement that he couldn't afford to pay? I don't, know. I don't know. Why would you go out with somebody like that? I don't know. It was bad, I think. I don't bad. Know <laughs> bad. <laughs> huh. That was not one of the staged conversations that you see. That was a real... As far as I can tell, a real conversation with uh, her uncle goes on a date. Guy makes her pay for it. <laughs> this is oh, the younger generation, my friends. Okay, when we get back, Princess Don will join us. It is the Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC Talk Radio 77. We're coming back right after this. It's time for Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Di. Ah, uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, I know so many of you are looking forward to hearing that beautiful voice, that beautiful laughter from our beautiful highness, her royaltiness, our very own Princess of Policy, Princess Di. Your Highness, welcome. How are you this morning? I am so happy to hear your voice, as always, Sir James. You know, I just played that sound clip. I got to ask it. I just played this sound clip from that girl, poor girl. She's, you know, struggling with her uncle. Oh, I just went out with this guy on a date, and he, he made me pay for it. Did that ever happen to you when you were dating, when you were younger? Some guy makes you pay for the bill? No, no there were a 
lot of Dutch going Dutch treats, you know, where everybody paid for their own thing, but uh, nobody, you know, sort of stuck you with the bill. It sounded to me like she was setting him up, frankly. He was completely spontaneous and real. She was just saying that to get a reaction so that she could put it on TikTok. That's my theory. Oh, okay. Yeah, well. I, I thought it was amusing. I mean, I don't even, I, I this whole going Dutch thing, I never liked that either. If I'm going out with a gal or back in the day, if I was going to, I paid for it, and, and I, I didn't want to hear it. Now, sometimes you get women, you know, the feminist types now who demand that they have to pay for something. That's just troublesome, you know. I mean, uh, back in the day, men paid, and there was no argument about it. The man pays. I'm, <laughs> well, see, this is the dilemma that we face nowadays. Can you imagine? You don't even know, is it a man? Is it a woman? Can you say? <laughs> <laughs> the challenges are on a whole different level now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I got to ask you this because I wanted to cover this story yesterday. We wouldn't have time. Okay, so Tim Scott writes an op-ed. It's going to go in the New York Times. Right, he submits it to the New York Times. The New York Times turns around and asks Chuck Schumer for permission <laughs> to run it. Are they? What? Why does this surprise you? I, you know, the thing is, I've got a different reaction than you do. First of all, it's ridiculous but expected that the Democrat Party is running the New York Times. We know this. They are in bed with each other. The 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 worst story is the Alex Berenson story. I I mentioned to you the other day, he is a, an expert, science expert, and a New York Times writer. And on Twitter over the years, he was skeptical of a lot of the claims that were being made on the COVID vaccine, and he would write about it from a scientific perspective. And he has sued Twitter because they kicked him off and has discovered the papers, the memos, where the White House was explicitly demanding that Twitter kick him off the platform. Now, that is a First Amendment violation. The New York Times can do whatever it wants, if they want to ask Chuck Schumer, they are a, a, a newspaper and they can ask whoever they want. However, the government, the White House, cannot tell a, a platform that what they had, can do. Then it is a, a First Amendment violation. And this is really interesting. And Berenson had sued Twitter and settled, but got this information as part of the discovery process and now is going to sue Biden. So that is one to watch. I think where that is, is the, way more where, important. Where was the story? Well, I've been able to ferret it out because I followed Berenson on Twitter, and I've been interested in what happened. And he put it on a substack. The actual receipts, the evidence, the memos of the White House saying to Twitter, get this guy off your platform. In, in absolutely no uncertain terms, it's not a, oh, we would like or whatever. They demanded, and Twitter did get them off the platform. And so all of this information is coming out, and it's a very important First Amendment case going forward. Diana, Alex I hate Berenson. to ask you to do this. I want you to one more time so that people really get this and they know where to go find this story. I want you to go through this story from the beginning one more time names and what happened 
Okay, now I'll give you the address to go to first, alexberenson.substack.com. That's A-L-E-X-B-E-R-E-N-S-O-N.substack.com. And he explains and has images of the memos from the White House. And the, the title is, The White House Privately Demanded Twitter Ban Me Months Before the Company Did So. Federal officials targeted me specifically when they met with Twitter in April 2021. So that is the basic outline. This, and they, and they targeted York- him because they did not like, he was a doctor, and they did not like what he was saying about COVID. It was the day after the day after Biden announced, and you remember this, he said that social media platforms are killing people because of misinformation. The next day, Twitter banned Alex Berenson, who was very influential in being skeptical about what the government was saying about the vaccines. And so the, the initial ask from the Biden administration was months before and pressured, pressured, pressured. And finally, when Biden said that aloud, accusing social media of killing people, that's when Twitter acted and got um, bounced Berenson off of their platform. And Berenson sued and settled, but in the meantime, got discovery, got documentation and he's now going to sue the Biden administration because he has the receipts. He has the evidence that the Biden administration specifically demanded that he get bounced off Twitter. And Twitter then re- re- responded to the pressure. This is chilling. These people yeah. always talk about things that chill the First Amendment rights. Here's a case that should be chilling to everybody. It's awful. But they've been caught, which is, you know, a wonderful thing if it is if the right thing happens, which is they back down and they are then their fingers are burned and they stop doing this because, you know, this is not a one off. Okay, now switching gears, your friend and mine, Max Boot, not um, is saying that you and I, Diane and others like us went crazy over the Trump search, and now we all look like idiots because of what was found at Mar-a-Lago. Do you look like an idiot? Do I look like an idiot? What has happened that these people are now gloating? And by the way, Geraldo, the Grim Reaper, is also out here saying that, uh, that he's beside himself, all the hatred and vitriol that is being directed by, I guess, people like me on, against the beautiful, wonderful, magnificent FBI. Yes. Well, I told you yesterday that they were really stunned at the reaction uh, from not only just us, but there were a lot of Democrats who were really concerned about this entire raid. And I don't think that there's any reason for apology on our side, because once you see the warrant, there's an element in there that you you and I need to really focus on. The evidence that this was a fishing expedition was part of the warrant. The property to be seized includes, get this, any government and or presidential records created between January 20th, 2017 and January 20th, 2021. 
This is the entire Trump presidency. And they had the right to go in there, according to the warrant, and I say right in quotation marks, to seize any record, any record. This tells you they were not just looking for secure nuclear and all of the things that they have uh, put out there as a cover story. They are looking for anything they can use to, to get Trump. And that has been their mission from 2015 on. And one of the theories that I have read, in, and this is on um, conservative treehouse Sundance, is that they were specifically after the binder he declassified, Trump declassified on the last day, which had to do with crossfire hurricane. He I've heard that too. I've heard that too. Yes. That this is all about covering their tracks on their coup, their attempted yes. coup of his presidency. They want to make sure that that stuff never gets to the light of day, and they're concerned yes, that Paul, he had the goods on them. Paul Sperry, investigative reporter, announced that he got evidence. He said that the agents and officials involved in the raid are the work in the counterintelligence division of the FBI. It's the same division that investigated Trump in the Russiagate hoax. And it is the same division that is right now under active criminal investigation by special counsel John Durham uh, for the Russia fraud. So a lot of this is self-dealing. They are, and plus, as you know, Trump has this RICO suit against Hillary Clinton and that is what she is is hoping that if he, if he doesn't have that binder that he basically declassified and retained, then he cannot go forward with this lawsuit against her because that's what it's about. So there's a lot of self-protection going on. That sounds very plausible. And the fact that this was in the warrant tells me that that is correct. So there's no apology here. This whole thing is 100% to try and protect themselves from Trump winning the reelection and basically being able to get the goods on them. And by the way, Paul Sperry was banned from Twitter. The day right. that all this stuff broke, they banned Paul Sperry from Twitter. Exactly. I'm sure it was demanded by the White House as well. This is just insidious, what's going on here. And one of the things that um, I read concerning what you just brought up, that this is so broad, this means that even if he wrote something on the back of a napkin, that they could go in and seize it. Anything that he wrote or whatever. What they're saying is that this president is the first president in American history that doesn't have the right to retain some of his own papers. And because every president has the right this is how they, they fill their presidential libraries. They get to take things with them. This is not unusual. Nothing happened right. here that's unusual compared to, pre- to past presidents. They retain some of their own records. This is making it look like it's criminal for Donald Trump to have retained anything. Yes, and they do. They have been trying to criminalize Donald Trump from the get-go, and on social media, the entire left has has connected the dots, quote-unquote, and made the jump. They are now basically saying, well, Trump is obviously selling nuclear secrets to our enemies. This is the conclusion that is being spread out there from the left. So be prepared. That's going to be what they decide 
this means, quote unquote. That's their narrative, quote unquote. So, you know, the the Republicans, I think, the official Republican Party needs to have a response. And of course, we're all waiting for that. A few have individually put out announcements on Twitter. But there's really, I don't think, a a some kind of vocal coordinated response politically as as a party. Well, you already see the happen. factions. There are a group of Republicans, some of them on the Intelligence Committee, that are already scared, and they're putting their tails between their legs. Right. And they're saying, oh, those people talking about the FBI, that's not us. That's not us. We're good Republicans. We don't talk about the FBI. These people are gutless, spineless wonders. And there, there are some Republicans, just so you folks know, that are already trying to back down and, and, and get around trying to support pre- your former President Trump on this. Yes, and I sent you that article from Politico from this week. Meet the GOP's future king of Biden investigations, this guy named James Comer, who's going to be the head of the House Oversight Committee next year if the Republicans take back the House. And this is a puff piece that you would not believe how wonderful he is. He reaches across the aisle. He's not going to go along with the crazies. It is a 100. And this is before the story broke. It was like red flag after red flag for our side that he is afraid he wants to be loved by the Washington media. And this is a guy that is supposedly going to be our champion in Congress. So that needs to be the pressure needs to be put on from the voters that we're not going to stand for any mandy pamby reach across the aisle. We want the truth. One last thing is Judge Reinhardt. So we learned today that this Judge Reinhardt had recused himself from a case regarding Hillary. Yes, the one I was talking about. Right. This is the Rico one. He had recused himself from that that suit that that Trump has lodged. And he recused himself after they uh, responded that the statute of limitations had run out on it. And he and Trump responded explaining why it hadn't because he responded when he got the IG report in 2019. So the statute of limitations did not run out. So that is, I just wanted to mention, that is the time that the judge recused himself after after it looked like Trump had a good argument and would allow the um, lawsuit to continue to proceed. That's when this guy decided to turn tail and get on board the other investigation. Well, there's all sorts of questions that this Judge Reinhardt needs to be asked. Of course, we will see whether he will be asked or not. Uh, Princess Di, thank you as always. So informative. We look forward to speaking with you every single week. Always something new. Always clear analysis. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sir James. Always wonderful to speak to you. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. Ryan Stewart brings us back. WABC Talk Radio 77. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Back to your phones in a moment, but I want to detail that story I mentioned to Princess Diane to you. Um, This story was in the New York Times today. As search shows 
Trump had secret files, GOP splits over assailing FBI. Well, here's the long and short of it. On Capitol Hill, a group of conservative Republicans known as the House Freedom Caucus, these are the conservatives in the House, many of whom dined with Mr. Trump, uh, have made statements about the Justice Department and this being like a banana republic. Now, Republican lawmakers addressing the media Friday in that bunch were members of the House Intelligence Committee who delivered a more nuanced message, saying they remain supportive of law enforcement and underscored their desire to maintain the FBI. Representative Mike Turner of Ohio, the ranking member on the committee, denounced comments from fellow Republicans, including Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, who have called on Congress to quote-unquote defund the FBI before having a full understanding of what officers were seeking. And then Turner pointedly says on Friday, we support our men and women in uniform, and we requested anybody who's made outrageous statements like that, that you question them and not us. So in other words, if, if you, by the way, Marjorie Taylor Greene has now filed articles of impeachment against Merrick Garland. Of course, the Republican, these whiny rhinos will never support it. And this Mike Turner, who's so anxious to put his tail between his leg and turn timid like Republicans usually do, instead of addressing what the FBI has been doing. Instead, he finds it okay to just go out and attack people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is trying to stand up to the FBI and stand up to Merrick Garland. So these are these typical, spineless, feckless cowards that call themselves Republicans. They're a disgrace. And they always have been, and this branch, this ilk of the Republican Party will always be a disgrace. <sighs> By the way, the there's a story. California becomes the first state to offer free meals at school for everybody. You don't have to prove hardship anymore. You don't have to say, oh, can't afford to eat, and they give you food. Hey, if you go to school in California, your food is free. Come and get it. More welfare for everybody. California, I mean, these people spend so much money on welfare. This is a liberal utopia. I think that in Texas, they ought to start sending the migrants, in addition to New York City, Oh, there's a story about that, too. 89 more migrants, including five children, are bust into New York City. That's in the Daily Mail. Now, I point out this story. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with it, but I want, it, I want you to know something. Um, <clears throat> here's a paragraph. Please listen carefully, ladies and gentlemen, to this paragraph in the Daily Mail story about 89 more migrants that have been bust into New York City after they breached our borders in Texas. Those on the bus have been tested for COVID, and there have been a number of positive tests, says Manuel Castro, who works in the New York City Mayor's Office of Immigrant Affairs. So, 
This means that many people coming over the border are coming in with COVID. They are coming in testing positive for COVID. And Joe Biden and his administration are letting COVID positive people come into the country. And folks, they have been doing this all along. They've been doing this all along. If you're illegal, it doesn't matter. You can come in with COVID and they don't care. They'll just usher you right. Come on in. Come on in. Now, these are the same people that are firing people for not obeying their vaccine mandates. These are the same people in Philadelphia. They're demanding that kids mask up again in school. These Democrats, I'm telling you, these Democrats. Let's head back to the telephones. Let us start with Christine in Middletown, Connecticut. Thank you for rating Christine. Oh, no problem. Good morning, Mr. Golden. You always play such good music uh, as your bumper you. music. I got to say that. It's always cool. Thank you. What's and, on um, your mind, Christine? You know, you know, I've seen too much of the problem with our local Republicans, especially here in Connecticut. I can't stand the way they concede the inner cities to the Democrats. And I don't like their how their attitude is, oh, let's reach across the aisle. No, these Democrats are anti-American leftists. It's time to take the fight to them. I couldn't agree more. And thank you for that. And these Republicans, just like these feckless Republicans that I just talked about already caving in, and, and if you criticize the FBI, oh, no, that's not us. Oh, no, these statements that people are making about the FBI are outrageous. No, they're not. They're truthful. But these feckless, scared, coward, we want to get along with Democrat Republicans are the ones that so many times help the Democrats to destroy their own party. Thank you for the call, Christian. Always a pleasure to hear from you, Stephen in Long Island. Thank you for waiting. Hey, Bosner, I love your show. Thank you, Stephen. So this uh, a couple months ago, I think it was two or two and a half months ago, you mentioned there was a parent-teacher conference down in uh, Washington, D.C., and basically nobody showed up. And Except it was the like, press. Right. Now, I'm sure it's like that in all these communities in the big cities. and New York City in particular, they have bail reform. So I just want to point out, you know, if they don't really care about their kids' education – I don't think they're going to vote out bail reform because I don't think they care about their kids' safety either. Whoa. Stephen, you make a brilliant point. And for the audience that didn't know what I was talking about then, this story goes back to many years. Rush Limbaugh talked about this story, and this is where I first heard it. In Washington, D.C., this goes back into the 1990s. They had a citywide, a citywide parent-teacher meeting. It was publicized in all the media for weeks. They catered this event because they wanted parents to come, and they figured that if it was it was during the early evening hours, and they figured that if parents were just coming home from work, some of them might not come if they thought they would miss dinner. So they had food. They had it catered. Again, a citywide parent-teacher meeting to try because Washington at the time had such incredible 
failure rates in the school. At this citywide, well-publicized, catered parent-teacher meeting, there were more members of the media that showed up than there were parents. Parents in Washington, D.C. would not come to a PTA meeting to discuss the, 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 <clears throat> the, the education of their own children. Now that should tell you we have a serious, then we had a serious problem. And when you look at the number of failing schools, especially in blue cities and these ghettos, we still have a serious problem. And the problem, in some cases, deals with the parents. Gary, South Norwalk, Connecticut, you're up next on WABC Talk Radio 77. How are you? Mr. Golden, thank you. Good morning. It's uh, nice of you to take the call. Uh, just um, wanted to follow up. I, I am very concerned about this whole issue with Mr. Trump and the document. To me, I'm not a lawyer, but this feels like a constitutional crisis, Mr. Golden, to me. You have a sitting president and the most powerful law enforcement officer in the United States persecuting and going after a political enemy. That's what this really is. And I mean, I don't, I'm not sure, Mr. It doesn't seem to me Mr. Trump has taken this serious. They're going after this man. They're not going to stop. I listened to Sean Hannity, Laura, the rest of them. You know, he's got an egg on the, his face, Merrick Garland. Uh, they said he looks scared. He, he's not scared at all. And they're not backing down. The Democrats are not backing down. They're not backing down off of anything. Joe Biden now says he's going to run again. They pushed this big build back broke bill through the other day. Um, the border is a mess. They're not backing down, changing anything on it. They're not backing down off of anything. They're going to try to destroy this man. The two lawyers that I saw, I listened to Bill O'Reilly interviewing one of them. I mean, if those two are the lawyers that he's hired, he's in big trouble. Mister. He needs the very best constitutional lawyers like an Alan Dershowitz or a uh, Jonathan Turley of George Washington law. That's the level that he needs. This is, this is war to me. I, I'm so I don't, I didn't, don't want to use hyperbole because I'm not, but I really believe that this, this is, is not hyperbole. This is a crisis, Mr. Golden. Okay, Gary, let me say, I agree with you. This is political war. That's the way I would frame it. This is a political war and the Democrats are doing everything they can to criminalize Donald Trump. They want him in jail. They're, they're saying it. They're saying it in the open. And they have wanted him in jail. This is why Letitia James has been after him since even before he was elected. With zero evidence claiming that she's going to go on a witch hunt to try to destroy Trump. And that's what she's done. You have this other phony prosecutor down in Georgia. And they're not just after Trump. They're, they're persecuting Ruli Giuliani. Giuliani, they're persecuting anybody that they think can hurt Trump. This is a political war, and you are 100% right. Coming back, more of your calls right after this. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Oh, knows politics. And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. From Chicago 5, Saturday in the park on WABC Talk Radio 77. 
Remember, Music Radio, WABC Tonight with Cousin Brucey. And remember, Larry Kudlow, right after this show ends. Let's get back to the telephones. Mark in Bristol, Connecticut, thank you for waiting. You're up next. Thank you for having the interview with uh, George Benson. I saw him in Hartford like 25 years ago. Minnie Ripperton was on it at George Benson. It was nice. And uh, when you're talking about the DNC, it means Democrat. You know, Democrat crafters, because they're doing the work of the devil, especially with these groomers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thank you for the patience you have with these idiots like Teddy. No comment. Oh, Teddy's back. not an idiot. Teddy's just a leftist. Teddy's not an idiot. He's a smart guy. I love Teddy. You know, one of the things yeah. that we have to do, look, I'm not afraid of talking, and I, that's why I love Teddy. Teddy's not afraid of calling here. I like Teddy. Teddy likes me. We like each other very much. And yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad, glad that we no, well, I'm glad we have people that will call in and challenge us. And I yeah, wish I that more that people either. would. Yeah. But, Mark, I really appreciate your call. You know, Minnie Ripperton you mentioned, I never understood until Minnie Ripperton died how people could cry when an artist that they never met, never knew, never had any contact when something happened. Minnie Ripperton was the first for me. When Minnie Ripperton died, I just spontaneously burst into tears. I love that woman's music so much. And she was such an amazing artist. And I still listen to, uh, to, I have every Minnie Ripperton record that she ever made. And to me, she's just the voice of an angel. You know, we need to play some Minnie Ripperton one day. We haven't played a lot of Minnie. We'll find some Minnie Ripperton and put it in the uh, in the music catalog. Thank you so much, Mark. And, of course, thanks to George Benson. We so enjoyed that interview. We enjoyed speaking with him. Peggy in Orange County, how are you, Peggy? I am well. Thank you so much for taking my call. I appreciate your show. Thank you. Hello. Oh, I don't know. Hold on one second. I'm so sorry. That's all right. Go ahead and do your thing. We're waiting for Peggy. We're waiting for Peggy. We're still waiting for Peggy. And we're going to. Hello. I'm sorry. I didn't know how to turn that off. Okay. Oh, I guess I still don't. So sorry. That's okay. Just what do you want to say, Peggy? Oops. Tell you what, we're going to put Peggy on hold. we got to go. John, Rutherford, New Jersey. How are you, John? Great. Uh, I, I love your show. I wish I could call during the week, but you got so much stuff going on. Yeah, you know, you need to sit there and, if you can, get like a round table, you know, for at least an hour or half an hour with a bunch of people, you know, that volunteer for your show. Um, anyway, getting back to my, uh, my point. Um, yeah, getting back to the girl with the uncle. My son pays for... Every everything he takes, any time he takes in someone out, unless they agree to go Dutch, he pays for it all the time. He'll call me up and I'll say, "Hey, Dad, you gotta send me some money." But he <laughs> Wait a minute. So you pay for it some of the times, but he pays for it. I get it. He's a gentleman, and that's great. You must feel great. How old is your son? Uh, he's twenty-four. You must feel great knowing that you have raised a gentleman. He uh, he went out on a trip to Texas. To me and his girlfriend's parents, okay. Mm-hmm. And every time, every time after like the meal, or whatever, he went to pay, and and the father was like, "No, no, no, I'm paying." And my son goes, "No, no, I'm paying." So they would go back and forth. But anyway, that's that's my son. Um, you must little, little points. You, uh, you must quick. be proud of him. Go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. 
Um, yeah, the GOP backing down is because they're in on the take, you know, and everybody knows that, you know, they, they want to sit there and hide themselves. Uh, another point from yesterday's show, they should take those 87,000 people and send them to the border. Interesting point. Interesting point. John, thank you so much. Appreciate your call. Let us go to Francesca in Neptune, New Jersey. Hi, Francesca. How are you? Hello. It's a pleasure talking to you. Um, I have been hoping that they would give you a lot more hours because I love listening to your voice. It is both soothing, commanding, concise, direct, and you size everything up so well. Thank you. and um, I'm not going to take you too long, but I'm hoping that somebody, after everyone's complaining, doing this, doing that, what is the ramifications as far as once the Republicans have won both houses? What is their intentions to right the ship in specifics, not just like, oh, we want this, this, and that? What do they intend to do to correct all these uh, outrageous uh, destructive uh, things that have been happening to the country. That, that's my question. Okay, well, Jim Jordan has been pretty vocal in saying that that they ought to prepare for investigations. The other day, Kevin McCarthy issued a very strong statement after the raid. It was surprisingly strong coming from Kevin McCarthy on the fact that Merrick Garland ought to clear his calendar because he's going to be investigated so they're promising in some quarters the House at least investigations. The Senate, eh, the Senate's going to be the Senate. But in the House, I think you will see some activity to at least try to hold part of the Biden administration accountable. Now, whether we're going to have, look, here's the problem in, in the House, folks. We always think, oh, conservatives, we won. The conserv- conservatives don't run the House. The Freedom Caucus is where you find the conservative members of the House. I know every Republican almost sounds like a Republican when they run for re-election, but they're not. There are about 40 hardcore Republicans in the House. Many of the rest are so-called moderates, and many of those are rhinos. So if you think it's hard getting stuff done, you want to know why so much stuff stalls? Because we don't have enough conservatives to actually run the House. But conservatives ought to stick together this time and withhold the votes on Speaker until a speaker, a potential speaker, tells them exactly what he's going to do. And, Francesca, that is the answer. That's what we need. And we don't have that yet. So you raise a great question. What we need before a House Speaker is elected, we need an agenda. So thanks. Let's try Peggy again. Peggy, did you figure out how to turn it off? I Yes, I did. Thank you so much for taking my call, and thank you for the beautiful show that you put on every weekend. I can't wait to hear it. I just was really um, disturbed by the woman you had on earlier about all of the, diff- the the maps person. And I thought, you know what, let's just take this a step further. Why don't we call, um, instead of rapists, we could call them violent intercourse attracted people, VAPs. Mm. And why don't we call people who like to just beat up people, violent harm attracted people, call them VHAPs. And then there's always the um, vandalizing attractive people, call them just plain VAPs. 
And then the theft-attractive people. We can call them saps. Just thought, you know, if we're going to paint the brush and everything, why don't we just do that too? Love your call, Preggy. Brilliant. I'm glad we had a chance to speak with you. That is absolutely brilliant. Thank you. I'm glad we had a chance. Uh, let's go to Ralph in Middletown, New Jersey. How are you, Ralph? How are you? Uh, I just wanted to mention, I, I own a small business. And when they, when they, when they go to hire these IRS agents, um, when they go to audit us, we're going to go to our accountants. Our accountants are going to probably have less people working for them because the IRS is going to hire people from accounting firms. They're going to be taking away all the accounting firms' accountants, and then our accountants are going to charge us a heck of a lot of money. <laughs> oh, wow. Interesting. Really? Think about that. That's that's what's going to happen. Where are you going to get 80,000 IRS agents? Scary. Exactly right. Ralph, thank you so much. Appreciate that call. Let us go to Ross in the Bronx. Ross, time's running out. What is the point you'd like to make? Well, I've become so distrustful of anything coming out of this government and this administration that, I, you know, here now I see the CDC is lifting all the COVID restrictions, which is fine with me. I'm not vaxxed. I, I don't really care. But I, I wonder if they're planning something to have everybody get sick again with some new virus to keep us all from from getting to the polls in November and to create this chaos and subterfuge that they did with the last election. Because I still don't believe that we have a legitimate president in the White House. And they've declared war on all of us from every level of this our lives from from the federal government right down to the community with bail reform etc cetera, etc cetera. and by the way i enjoy your show so much i look forward to it every week i listen to you mostly on saturdays and Thank uh, you. but uh, you know it is it seem plausible to you uh joe biden is on record as saying that we are quote unquote planning for another uh another pandemic that was a quote i played the actual soundbite a few weeks back so some people believe that was a gaffe, a misstep, but I say he said it. Wow, and that is a mouthful. Thank you. Thanks, Diego. Minnie Ripperton's going to take us out today. May God bless and protect each and every one of you. Thank you for joining me during the week and on Saturdays. We'll see you on Monday. Making love with you.